Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing in a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. Eagles Nation. It is Monday evening, um, the 23rd of March. We are doing another podcast. The quarantine is shutting down America, or the coronavirus is you know, basically shutting down America, making everyone be in quarantine. But guess what? We can do these podcasts at home across the country. So I am your host, Kyler Neal. As always with me, we have Rusty Kramer. Rusty, how are you doing today, buddy? Again, another week just being bunkered down at the house, uh, staying vigilant, washing my hands, and staying six feet away from people at all times. I Hey, you're doing the right thing. Um, you must have been reading all those safety tips. And today we have a special episode, guys. We are going to be talking all podcasts about something you guys either love or hate or love to hate. This is a podcast where you keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. So with, without further ado, we have one of the hosts of the Tubs at the Club podcast. He's actually the reason why this Eagles Power Hour exists, because he said, Kyler, you need to start an Eastern one. What the heck? Um, Chris, Chris Hammond, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I get to be on here with, uh, and this podcast exists. So we have one of the brightest minds in FCS football to get to talk about it. I, it's an honor to be on here with Rusty Kramer. Thank, thank yeah, you, Chris. Please. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. <laughs> he is the favorite host, like it says in the beginning. Uh, that's not a lie. It's We took a poll vote, and uh, it was an overwhelming amount that said Rusty is by far the favorite host. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just me voting, by the way. Yeah, yes. But <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we dive into you know the podcast and talk about Idaho football, Rusty has some kind of exciting news that he wanted to start this week and um it's already been pretty successful so rusty why don't you bust it out yeah with everything going on right now and uh, we know times are tough on local businesses so we wanted to start a little local shout out so every week we're going to shout out a different uh local business small business that's still operating during this tough time because like I said, we know tough times are tough right now for local businesses, small businesses, and we know that Eastern Washington supports the community. So we wanted to, you know, do our part by bringing awareness to the public of local businesses that are still operating during this time. So each week we're going to advertise a little a local company that are changing the way that they're providing their services to the public. We hope this will raise awareness because uh, we know times are tough right now for those small businesses. With that being said, North Star Taps. If you've been to Eastern Washington football game, I'm sure you stopped by North Star Taps. 
Their Cheney's Craft Beer Bar, they're still open. They're currently offering to-go services such as growlers, some crowlers, canned beer from the tap, and not to mention their bottle and can selection from off awesome craft breweries. If you're asking yourself right now, well, Rusty, I don't have a growler. Well, hey, don't you worry about it because North Star Taps, they got you covered. Just go ahead and then check out their website with their uh, tap list at northstartaps.com. They offer a wide selection of awesome beers and ciders. I'll go perfectly while you're grilling on the barbecue because I tell you what, warm weather is right around the corner. So they do have some new hours right now. Monday, they're operating from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Tuesday, they're closed. Wednesday, from 5 to 7 p.m. Thursday, closed. Friday, from 4 to 7 p.m. Saturday, 1 to 3 p.m. And Sunday, they're closed. They're really easy to work with. They'll respond pretty quick with you. Just send them a message. Say, hey, I'd like to pick this uh, pick this craft beer up, and then they'll hook you up. So go check out North Star Taps. Yeah, seriously, guys. Yeah. yeah, let them know Rusty sent you. But no, seriously, guys, you're quarantined for a couple weeks minimum. What better thing to do than drink beer and listen to Eastern Washington podcasts? So yeah, go check out North Star Taps. Um, next episode, we'll probably have another local one that we just want to give some shout outs to. Guys, they need, a, they need your business. This is a tough time for any type of local business. So please support your local Eastern Washington Cheney businesses. All right. So We already introduced Chris Hammond. He is the host of Tubbs at the Club. And before we dive into Idaho football, Chris was just on, it looked like a a pretty fun little trip there across the pond, if you will. Um, Chris, why did you go over to London? And are you the reason why the virus started? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so it was interesting. I seemed to hit most things the day before they closed. So possibly I am the reason. Uh, But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I bought these tickets back in like September or October. And, uh, you know, at the time I was still allowed to go. So I was like, I haven't been to London before. And I was like, I don't want to reschedule and have anything else come up. I had already set a time off work. So yeah, I uh, went over there ironically to go watch five soccer matches. And... <laughs> All of those got canceled, so I uh, had to do the, <laughs> had to do the touristy things, which was pretty interesting. I was supposed to be there until Sunday, actually, and then obviously we got the uh, if you're an American abroad, time to uh, find a way back home or be plan on staying over there for a while. Uh, and then uh, I was lucky enough, Virgin Atlantic, if you ever fly it, super easy. They called me, told me here's the days you can fly because. They weren't flying to Seattle anymore, which is where I live. I had to fly into New York and then get a flight from New York. But they were super helpful, upgraded, paid for all my stuff. Uh, Then I land back home to find out that my work doesn't want me to come in and told me uh, I have to quarantine for 14 days. So I'm day one of quarantine and border than, I don't know, a lamb in December. Is that a thing? It is now. I mean – it's probably something in Idaho. I mean, let's be honest. Oh, well, um, Montana. I, Montana. <laughs> oh, Montana, man. Montana. Now, they're more of the goats or sheep, but it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, how was your trip to London besides, you know, uh, not getting to watch any of the soccer games? I know you said you did some of the touristy things. So what was, like, some of your favorite things you got to do besides drink, my guess, beer? Yeah. Uh, I drink a lot of beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I have a buddy who moved over there last spring. That was part of the reason I went. So I was like, 
while he lives over there, it's a lot cheaper when you don't have to pay for a hotel. So had I gotten stuck over there, it wouldn't have been the end of the world now knowing I couldn't come back to work anyways. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we went, did the uh, Big Ben, which is under construction, the London Eye, walked Camden, which was actually really cool. And then just kind of did more of the, the local stuff. We went up to kind of, I don't know if they call them suburbs out there, but to uh, his girlfriend's house, who she's up in the burbs, which was kind of cool to see uh, the, um, the difference between like downtown London and then like, outskirts household London and in the country as it were so uh yeah I gotta do a lot a lot of tube riding which was interesting how are the the pubs over there in London uh they were good uh you know I don't think I could ever live there because the beer there is just not very good (laughs) we went to one place that that was like a craft brewery like they don't have craft and they have very low alcohol content like really I think I think the like the most APV I saw was like 5.7 maybe where, you know, you come to the States and you can get some like double IPAs pushing nine. So, so, so they almost have like Utah laws cause Utah is yeah. very low alcohol that's, content too. That's, that's a great way to put it. And then like, I found out it's really weird over there. Like their bars are sponsored. So like you could have like, for instance, we'll use the corner club as an example for any vandals that tune into this. It would be like, Rainier's Corner Club or, or Coors Lights, Coors Corner Club. So they have like the bar, but the bar is sponsored by the beer maker. And so they only have their beers, which was really weird. Or then you have a public house, which actually, or an open house, public house, one of the two that's anybody can put their beer in, which is more what we're used to. And then they actually have just straight brew pubs, which are just ran by the individual breweries. So it's a, it's a little different, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I will say what was nice for any – I'm sure Eastern has a lot of people in the Seattle area. Uh, they were not taking it as seriously as it is here in Seattle. Like, no yeah. shutdown. All the toilet paper was still on the shelves. Uh, eggs were still available. Um, it sounds like it might have changed a little bit since I left, but it was nice kind of being somewhere that was a little bit still normal. Um, right. trying to be. You know, like if you were vulnerable, you knew to stay inside. People were being – you know, over the hygienic, most stores you went into were giving you hand sanitizers. So, like, they were aware of it. It's not like they're being careless. But it was nice to not have, like, it feel like you're playing Fallout in real life. <laughs> so is that all you're going to be doing on these next 14 days of quarantine so you can't work? Just oh, going to be playing I, Fallout? I uh, downloaded Animal Crossing on my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I, down- I downloaded uh, Call of Duty Warzone, which apparently is, like, battle royale style call of duty so yeah uh, and then uh mlb the show the new one well if, if you got it on xbox I'll, I'll play that call of duty game with you yeah i'm on, I'm on playstation specifically because they, have, because they have the show so chris you, you live you live in seattle right now right I do. I'm in the the American epicenter. I guess New York is overtaking us. I think New York is. Yeah. So like we were talking earlier in the podcast, I was just in Seattle two weeks ago and I got a little rusty story time real quick for everybody. So we stopped in Seattle, right? So the first night we we were going there for actually a soccer game as well to go see the Sounders. And uh, so the first night we're like, you know what, let's, let's go in, let's go enjoy the night. We we don't have any kids there. They were, with their grandparents. So well, yeah, let's go check out the, let's go check out the scene in Seattle. So we stopped at this whiskey bar called deadline in Seattle had amazing cocktails, amazing food, uh, right downtown. And 
like completely enjoyed ourselves, you know, there. So the next day we stopped by, we were walking down the street and ready to go to deadline again. Like, you know what? They had some good food, some good drinks. And I'm glad we stopped by there yesterday for the first time and not that day because we were walking by. There was a gentleman taking a number two right outside the front door. We're like, all right, I think we're going to go ahead and proceed past this location. But yeah. it was a hidden gem, man. It, it was, uh, they, they got some good, they got some good little spots in uh, Seattle. Was yeah. it, was the dude taking the number two, the hidden gem or the actual yeah. venue? I'm no, concerned no, for us. no. He, the, the, the gentleman that we were walking past, he was taking a dump ski right on the ground. And he looked me right in the eyes as I was passing. And he had no fear in his eye, and I was scared. Hey, you got to you, you gotta contribute to the Seattle aroma. Piss, pot, and poop. Hey, that used to be the aroma of Tacoma, but that's, that's moved up north. The three P. The three P. All right. Oh, man, that's awesome. So, all right. So, Chris. You yes. are probably top five biggest Idaho Vandal fans of all time. I'm actually um, number seven. Ooh, number seven. Okay, well, maybe you should step it up. Uh, maybe <laughs> you should have more episodes. I don't know. But so describe Idaho football to our listeners. And you can even go down a little bit of, you know, historic memory. What was Idaho football when you were a student? Because you're, you're getting up there a little bit closer to my age now. Um, what was Idaho back in the FBS? And then what is Idaho as a program right now in your own words? Yeah. So FBS Idaho is a, the comedy of errors. Uh, started with hiring. We had a good run when we first came in in 96, uh, actually playing in the first bowl game down in Boise after beating Boise State on a two-point conversion and then winning that bowl game in the same stadium a couple weeks later against Southern Miss on literally the exact same play. I guess tape was harder to get back then for Southern Miss. No idea. But uh, then that coach, Chris Tormey, left. I think after the next season, went to Nevada. And we hired Tom Cable, who Seahawks fans will know as the offensive line coach. He was where his alma mater he played for us under Erickson. Um, came back and just stunk. We won. Everything went downhill from there. We went from not having any losing seasons in the FBS to, I think, only having one 500. The rest were all winning to a Tom Cable winning something like six games in three years. Uh, that led to us hiring a guy out of the Pete Carroll coaching coaching tree named Nick Holt. We gave him one year because then we got really shady going into his second year and started interviewing Dennis Erickson again. For those of you that don't know, Dennis Erickson coached Idaho back when we were really good in the FCS, then left us to go to Wazoo, then was at Wazoo for like two years before going to Miami and winning national championships. Um, so we tried to catch him on the rebound of his career, um, did actually really, really well. And was only with the program for eight months, got us our first four win season since 2001 when Tom Cable took over. Uh, after that, he bounced to Arizona state after eight months, but he left, he put in a lot of good places for recruits. So we had Rob Akey come in, uh, who was defensive coordinator for Washington state at the time. Uh, had a couple rough two seasons, but then that third year, he put it together. We went to the Idaho Famous Potato, or at that time, it was the Rodies Humanitarian Bowl in 2009, uh, which was actually my senior year of high school, and I was actually planning on going to Washington State. Um, however, my dad is a van. My whole family's vandals are kooks, so my dad decided to really spend up and got us box seats for the potato or the humanitarian bowl, and... For those of you that didn't watch it or whatever, 
it was pretty much a big shootout back and forth between us and Bowling Green. We couldn't stop Bowling Green. This one wide receiver they had named Freddie Barnes. Uh, they scored with like 43 seconds left. Uh, and most people wanted to leave. I told my dad, I was like, no, no, I want to, like, you know, it's not over yet. Um, sure enough, we drove down the field to 40-something seconds left, uh, threw a touchdown pass, and then decided to go for two and won the game in walk-off fashion. Uh, and that's when I turned around to my dad and said, I, uh, I want to go to Idaho, ironically, because I thought Idaho's football was on the up-and-up, and, up, and the Cougs was on the, uh, on the decline, because that was the year where, like, them and the Huskies went battling. Oh, they were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. WSU was like, yeah, WSU and UW, they were both like the worst programs in the nation. And then, yeah, yeah. so I I felt bad for, you know, watching Washington FBS football. I was like, this is not football in Washington. Go watch Eastern. Those are the teams. They suck. (laughs) Yeah. And then here's a, 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 Thing that people will notice after that, we were scared Rob Akey was going to leave. We gave him a pretty big, long contract. Uh, the year after that, he went six and seven. Ironically, when you were in the WAC, you, if you played at Hawaii, you were allowed to have another game. So had we just not played Hawaii, or if we would just played Hawaii and not scheduled the other game, we could have gone six and six and gone the back-to-back holes. But that's not how it went. Uh, then after that, two wins, one win, fired, replaced interim head coach Jason Gesser for four games. Gesser got canned uh, to hire Paul Petrino. And then Paul Petrino kind of built us back up under a new quarterback named Matt Linehan. I forgot to mention, I think it was 2011 when Eastern beat us, and that's when I was like, oh, God, wait, I might have made a mistake here. So thank you. <laughs> I, remember every, all, I remember all these Eastern people showing up, and we were doing a power was- hour in our fraternity and I was kind of like damn like eastern they they're showing up for this and I was like back that's probably the first time I was really impressed because my only other experience with eastern Washington is I, I was originally from Spokane and we used to go when the Seahawks had a training camp there right watch it there but otherwise I didn't know too much about eastern um but that game really put it in perspective for me uh and you know that was yeah, you started like, doing YouTube channels about eastern Washington after that yeah well that was later. yeah you that did was, that was like another eight years, but yeah, uh, I, I learned about him. Cooper, well, it's Cooper Cup helped. Like, if it wasn't for Cooper Cup, that probably would have been the last time I heard about him. Yeah, it was Cup. like Vernon and Cooper Cup that, yeah. that helped establish your fan yeah. base. Big play VA. I remember because I, being growing up a Cougar and a Vandal, I hate the Huskies. So I tuned in to watch Eastern play UW on Root Sports with 2014, 13, whenever that was. And yeah, literally, me and me and my entire house in college at the time were all watching that, cheering for Eastern. That was, that was fun. I really was hoping you guys were going to pull it off. That's what I loved. Vernon Adams, um, <laughs> my my brother went to the University of Oregon, and so when Vernon transferred there, I literally told him like because they was coming off the Montana State transfer, Dakota Prukop for the Ducks, and he was like, "God, oh, another FCS transfer. It's going to suck." Like Dakota Prukop, and I was like, "No, no, no. You need to." I was like, just Google Eastern versus UW. And my brother literally texted me back like 10 minutes later and I was like, holy crap, I'm excited. And I was like, so Vernon Adams, yeah, Cooper Cup, yeah. Uh, back to Idaho. They kind of flow off after that. Or, uh, not quite. Paul Petrino guys building, but we we're in the Sun Belt dealing with a bunch of, you know, not getting invited to the Mountain West, the whack folding. And like I said, just everything that could go wrong seemed to always go wrong. Uh, we had a really good year in 2016. Going to the Idaho Famous Potato Bowl, we were like a 
17-point underdog to Colorado State, ended up kicking their ass, um, which was really cool. Uh, freezing cold. It was like negative two, but I literally couldn't feel cold after halftime because we were up like 35-6 at halftime or something ridiculous. But people were lining up with eight minutes left to go storm the field. They'd already given them all their hats. So that was a lot of fun. So then what do we do? We signed Paul Petrino to like an eight-year deal worth millions. We're stuck in now. Uh, 2017, we probably should have made another bowl game. Uh, our star quarterback, Matt Linehan, senior year, he got hurt with five games left, which then started the Mason Petrino stuff where Mason came in to kind of fill that spot. He got hurt with like one game left. We put Colton Richardson in and actually won it. Um, I think we finished that year five and seven. So a lot of people were like, had Colton played instead of Mason, this will sound familiar. Maybe we win one more game and we go to another bowl game, but we don't. So back to back, every time we went to a bowl, we failed to go the next year, even being close with six, five to six wins, um, which then led us to going to the FCS. And I mean, more of kind of how 2017 ended. Uh, we had a quarterback competition for the last two years between the coach's kid and a guy who, if you didn't know he was quarterback, you'd think was playing tight end or D-line and Colton Richardson. Um, and it's kind of where we're at. It's it's a weird place to be because we didn't, definitely didn't start the way we wanted to start. Uh, finishing, you know, bottom, like, I think we finished eighth and ninth these past two seasons in the big sky. So, I don't know. It, it, it's been fun to be a part of. Like, I'm definitely glad that we're in the FCS now. I was definitely one of the FBSers, and I still do think that I would prefer Idaho in the FBS, but there's nothing I can do about it at this point, and I'm enjoying the FCS. I think it has great fans, great community. Um, it, it's more, I don't know, it, it it's more camaraderie than I think you find in the FCS. Like, when we're – or in the FBS, sorry, when we're playing another team, like, sure, you can get a little riled, like, when we're playing you guys or Montana. Uh, like, it's you could get a little testy, but, I mean, it's not like when you're playing an FBS team and you go on their message boards or whatever, it's just there's no, like, oh, having a good time or check this out or there's no, like, trying to help the other fan base understand stuff. So, um, which, ironically, yeah. the Sun Belt was pretty good at. The Mountain West and WAC teams were trash at. I would say – our time in the Sun Belt had more enjoyable people to interact with than the Mountain West and WAC, former WAC schools. I think it's, it's more people at the FCS level, they get excited when another fan base even travels. Um, yeah. Because yeah, you don't you don't get to see that very often besides a couple select teams. You know, Eastern will travel to Montana. Montana will travel to Eastern. You know, same with Idaho and, and all that jazz. But, like, if 400 Southern Utah fans came, that would be a huge deal. And we'd be like, heck yeah. And it'd make it feel more like a, a big day game atmosphere um, because I want to talk smack to the other team. So, <laughs> so yeah, I get more I, excited when, you know, other fan bases are like, dude, I'm making the trip. I'm like, that's awesome. You, we can tailgate, we can hang out. I will talk as much crap as I can while we do it, but we're going to be sharing beers and we're going to have a good time about it. It's all going to be friendly. And I think that is just because the fan bases, you know, at the FCS level, besides a very select few, just don't, don't obviously travel as well as the FBS. No, definitely not. I think that comes down to usually you're dealing with smaller schools too. I mean, yeah, you look at like even Washington state is considered a small school in the FBS. Their enrollment's 28,000 or something like mm -hmm. that. So then you're looking at Idaho. We're I think just shy of 14 with grad students and that's including yeah. all campuses. So, cause we have 
because we're a you know land grant state school. We have, I think, I want to say seven satellite campuses, but um, they all have no more than a hundred people, probably. So, right, we're still looking at about call it thirteen thousand five hundred all in the Mosco Cordelaine area. So, um, it, it's even for us, it's harder to travel. But I do say I've I've been very lucky. I've hit Montana. I've hit Montana State. I've hit Eastern. Um, I've hit Idaho State. And, and you've hit Frisco. Yeah, and I've done Frisco twice now. With me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then this year, I've already got plane tickets back to Bozeman. I'm taking the train down to Davis. Oh, I did Portland State, too. Um, yeah. I'm taking the train down to Davis to go see us play UC Davis this year. Um, so, I mean, it's cool because coming from when I got out of school, right, and you have kind of the money to go do this stuff, Um we were playing in the Sun Belt, and for how much I want to go to Jonesboro, Arkansas, uh, right? Even if I wanted to go to, it's not easy to get to. So, what's nice about the Big Sky is like everybody except like what Southern Utah is pretty yeah. easy, easy to get to. I mean, Weber, you yeah. fly in Salt Lake, you Northern Colorado, you fly into Denver, and you know there are a little bit of drives, but like under an hour or an hour and a half to get to all of them. So. Um, I know. Yeah, no one's too tough. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I'll be honest. Like, who? I don't want to go to Southern Utah. So it, that's just that's just Rusty talking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, like, uh, I would I, say if you like hiking and stuff, Southern Utah has probably the best scenery in the Big Sky. But their stadium makes Easterns look like the Taj Mahal. Yeah. So that's or actually their their atmosphere. Their stadium is only a little – it's pretty crappy, but their atmosphere in general makes Easterns look like the Taj Mahal. But if landscape and, like, uh, wooded area, mountains – like, southern Utah, man, it is a beautiful area. If you ever get a chance to go there, we drove through it. I mean, I, I won't go there for a game, but I will drive through it, and it's really pretty. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, I'm like a bit of a stadium file, though. Like, I really enjoy, yeah. like, seeing that stuff. Like, my brother – is a little bit in the football, but not as much as I am. But uh, he went to the University of Oregon, which has helped me because, for instance, this last year for Labor Day, I got to go see the kickoff game between Oregon and Auburn. So I was down in Arlington, Texas for that. And on our day off, I, we were in Fort Worth, and I was like, we should drive by TTU. And I was, yeah. so we walk right up. Their stadium's open. My dad and I take some pictures, walk through the halls, and then we hear some whistles. We climb up some stairs that literally say like media and players only, but the gate wasn't locked. We go up there and there's Gary Patterson running TCU's practice. And I was like, for me, that's like some of the coolest things ever. And I'm like explaining it to my brother. And he's like, cause I made him last year, take me to SMU. Cause he lives in Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. out SMU. And then he made the joke. He's just like, God, like what, you want me to drive you up to Denton next and show you North Texas? And I go like this, and I show him a photo. I, when I was on the plane, I saw we were flying over Denton. I looked out my window and took a picture of North Texas <laughs> Stadium. I was like, "Yeah, like we should do that next time." So That's I went awesome. to see Southern Utah. I love seeing all the different stadiums and stuff. So my well, goal is to hit every Big Sky one probably in the first five years because then I don't have to go to the crappy ones ever again. But and well, you have an open <laughs> invite. You have an yeah. open invite to come down to Houston. Um, I think there's Sam like Houston. six E one colleges. Or even some of the HBCUs ones. I think that'd be fun. Um, yeah. There's like three of them down here. Uh, plus you have Houston, you have A&M. So if you ever want to come down to, you know, Texas, uh, Houston for a weekend, 
I bet you anything we get to go see two games in one weekend, um, plus even maybe a Friday Night Lights high school game by the stadium right by my house. There they see like we, we might have to do that. Yeah, they're <laughs> big. That's actually on my bucket list. Is uh, I really want to see Odessa versus Midland Lee. I know that's yeah. like stereotypical and doesn't matter, but like I'm a big Friday Night Lights fan. I want I want to sure. see Odessa Permian versus Midland Lee, and you know, hopefully someday I'll get there. <laughs> so I hope everyone realizes this is why we brought Chris Ham Beer Hammond on to the podcast today because there's I mean we thought about talking about Idaho football but no, why I mean Chris just gave us a freaking thirty year recap of Idaho Vandal football in in ten minutes that was so only, Chris, that was only twenty minutes or only twenty years do we need to go further I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was ninety six to twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, let's just do a quick recap of this past season. So, I mean, obviously they went five and seven overall. They're three and five in conference, four and two in home, one and five in away. They they beat uh, Eastern Washington. They beat us. I won't say I won't yeah. say I won't say it too loudly. So I will I will say honestly, going into that game, I thought I thought Eastern was going to get a W that game, one hundred percent. I, I did too. in my mind, I didn't see I didn't see Idaho winning. And they got a, a pretty – I mean, I, I actually watched this game. It was fun to watch. Uh, Northern Arizona and Idaho, a 60-53 to win in the overtime, a little <laughs> shootout game. So, Chris, what was your kind of, you know, your mind, the recap of Idaho season this past season? Um, yeah, you know, I think actually the last – before they brought you on, Rusty, the last episode Kyler did, the Eastern game, Idaho Eastern Shut game, it broke him. He quit publishing episodes. But I, I was on there, and I did also say that I didn't think Idaho was going to win that. Uh, my reasoning behind that was I thought because you guys got kind of – I know it was supposed to be a close game, so it wasn't really an upset, but how you guys really had the game in hand against Jacksonville State and let it slip, I thought you guys were going to come into that game so pissed to make an example of us. That I was like, you know what? If you guys beat Jacksonville, I think coming out of the South, maybe you get caught in this sleeper game that doesn't count as a conference game, so you maybe you don't take it as serious. So I was, I was as surprised as anybody that Idaho beat Eastern. And I literally think if you guys get one more possession, that game goes to you. We were not playing defense the second half, but um, I think that game gave a little bit of false confidence. I tried to stay as level as possible um, because I still thought at that point that Eastern was going to be a top 10 team. Um, obviously you guys had some issues that went on that you just needed a week. You literally, if you had, didn't lose to Idaho, you probably made the playoffs this year. So, I mean, they still were a good team, but, um, or if yeah. we didn't schedule a win would. Yeah. Yeah. Or that, um, we would have taken UND's place. <laughs> uh, yeah. Gosh. But, Cause our season started with a ass kicking at Penn state 79 to seven. <laughs> So and that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Big payday. I think it was like 1.7 or 1.8 million. It was like three times the next closest school or something like that. that that's um, worth the loss of 70 to 79. I'll take that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that paid for the entire football program. And then everything we made from Wyoming, which that was kind of the thing was we played Wyoming the week before you guys. Um, and literally we were leading going in the halftime and then yeah. it, it was a good game. We only ended up losing by five. So it was like, a great we game. Yeah, so we were coming into the Eastern game like, God, that's too bad that like now our momentum's going to get crushed because we have to play Eastern. Why couldn't we play like Central this week? Um, and then we beat you, and that's where I was saying like, you kind of have this soft bit of like this 
off bit of confidence because you're like, all right, we got blown out by Penn State, but at the time Penn State was like number five. You, we beat Central, not impressively, but we won. We probably should have beaten Wyoming and Laramie, and then we beat Eastern. We would have been on a three-game win streak against two teams we shouldn't have beaten, Eastern and Wyoming. Um, then you go to Northern Colorado, and that game sucked because we were up, I think, like once again, 17-7 at halftime or 24-7. Ended up losing that one by three. And that's where you go, This is, and I even said on our podcast, I'm like, this is a trap game. If there was ever a trap game, we're going to probably lose this. We do. Then we actually play Weaver State close at home. We only lose that one by five or six points, uh, which we all know Weaver had a fantastic season this year. Then the epitome of the season was at Portland State, 24-0. Offense just looked anemic. So bad so that like <laughs> Paul actually benched Mason and put Colton in. Uh, who didn't play much better at that point either. Luckily, we got one more win to kind of sacrifice our seat or, you know, make our season worth it by beating Idaho State, which at this point, you know, we'd beaten Eastern, we'd beaten Idaho State, and all the rhetoric was, you know, all the teams that Idaho felt wronged by last year in Eastern, Idaho State running up the score on us, Eastern running up the score on us, and then Montana really running up, the, not running up the score on us, but beating us and wanting to beat Montana. Um, we we're like, holy crap, we're two and zero in revenge games, and we had, you know, Montana number six in Wild Grizz. Thought we had a chance, and we were up fourteen zero or seventeen zero, and then because they were starting, um, God, I can't remember his name now. The ex Bronco quarterback, not uh, yep, Sneed. But then they put in Sneed, and I was like, up, oh, this one's over. Sure enough, we lose forty two seventeen. Sac State was really good this year and they proved it against us. And then, yeah, we had a game against Northern Arizona that we probably shouldn't have won, but we did just because Northern Arizona's defense is literally the equivalent of a junior year powder puff defense. Yeah. Like, it was the worst defense I think I've ever seen they, at the FCS level. I think they were literally trying to play flag football. I think they thought that if they just like grabbed the pants, it counted as down. It did. So, but uh, Mason Petrino put up career numbers. They, Posted a hashtag haters gonna hate tweet on the official Idaho Vandals Twitter account, which then obviously we viewed as a shot at the fans and an opportunity to monetize. So we sell hashtag haters gonna hate shirts on Tubs of the Club store. So if anyone wants one, <laughs> plug, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Plug. <laughs> uh, I have one of your Tubs of, or I, I just have a Vandal shirt. I don't think it's the Tubs of the Club one that you got me. Um, I was wearing it the other day. But, hey, so, Chris, question mm-hmm. for you. Idaho on the road has been completely different than Idaho at home. Mm-hmm. Idaho on the road in the big sky is like 1-11 in 11 the last two years. Yeah. Or 1-10, in 10, something like that. Yeah. Uh, should have been more. Northern Arizona is our first home win, and it was last game of the second season, which we got to play 12 in. So Yeah. yeah we're, in Northern Colorado was – Or Northern Arizona was real bad, as we, we already discussed. So – you guys are one in eleven. What can you attribute to playing so bad on the road? Because I'm I have said this throughout a lot of the FCS Fans Nation pages that the big sky playing on the road is the toughest conference, not you know, in the FCS. And it's not just because the teams are so good, even though the big sky has one of the top in terms of team talents, but it's playing at different elevations, playing at different weather patterns, playing at different time zones. So every week you can be playing, you know, it, it seems like a 7,000 feet elevation. You can go from Portland State, who's pretty much sea level and 50 degrees, to NAU playing in a dome 70 degrees at 7,000 feet. Then the next week you can go play at Montana, 
which is 25,000 fans, uh, 3,000 feet elevation, cold as balls in snow. And then the next week after that, you can pretty much play in California where it's great weather. Do you think playing at these different terrains, playing at these different weather patterns, and even maybe some of the different um, atmospheres, because some of the atmospheres, and you said this a lot on your podcast, The Tubs at the Club, is some atmospheres are bring your own energy, which is hard to get up for. And I, I totally agree. What, what, yeah, can you describe kind of, do you think playing on the road at the Big Sky has been more difficult than the Sun Belt? Because kind of your away record is proving that in a sense, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, so I think this uh, that's kind of the tricky part is if you look, I think the part that's really hurting us, and I know in generalities it's hard just in general to win on the road in the Big Sky, but as specific to Idaho in these first two seasons, a lot of the teams we're playing on the road, it's our very first time ever seeing these teams, or at least in the last 25 years. So, like, yeah, Idaho didn't know what to expect in Northern Colorado because, to be fair, there's nothing like that that we've ever played in since we left the FCS. There's nobody in the FBS has facilities like a Northern Colorado. Right. Even the worst Sunbelt team, you know. So <laughs> then you go to Portland State, same kind of thing. Like, you're playing in this suburb way outside town. It's only got a bleacher on one side and a baseball field behind it. And, I think a lot of it goes to adjusting to the locations and it's your first time seeing some of these teams. And I think that's what is really hurting us these first two years. Now we did see some teams for the second time this year, like, uh, well, Eastern's a bad example because we won that one. But uh, for instance, we saw Portland state for a second time. And this time we lost where we beat them last year. We saw Idaho state Well, we won that one too, but um, Montana, we still lost to Montana. So there's some weird stuff going on where most of our schedule were teams we had never seen. Um, I think I, I'm not, so we have a guy on our podcast, Alex Boatman, who played four years for the Vandals. Um, and he actually said that they kind of got used to traveling down South and actually enjoy it. Cause if you think about it, if you're taking a plane, like we did to most of the things in the Sun Belt, you're still spending as much time on the road as you would if you were like busing to Northern Colorado or busing to even Portland state from Moscow, a Portland state bus ride is nine hours, eight hours where if you're flying on a charter plane out of either Lewiston or Moscow Pullman airport. Uh, so Lewiston's about a 30 minute, 40 minute drive from Moscow. And then obviously Moscow Pullman airport is like two. If you're getting on charter flights, like we were doing in the FBS and flying to Monroe, um, Louisiana, like that flight's five, six hours. So it's actually taking you less time than if you were busing. So he was saying for them, it was kind of nice because at least now you're not on a bus, you're on a plane and everything seems quicker and it's a little bit more comfortable than it would be on a bus. Um, but so, so my, my, my question, my follow kind of is because, so now I live in the South. Yeah. So after basically September, anytime you're traveling to the South, you know, it's low elevation. It's going to be 60 degrees. It's not going to be that humid because it's 60 and you don't feel it. Like it's not when it's yeah. in September and it's 90. So you don't have to deal with the elevation. You don't have to deal with the different weather patterns. It's all going to be pretty similar across the board where that's why I said in the big sky, though I think it's the toughest conference for a way because every week it's just a different, a completely different element you have to yeah. adapt to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I if, you, if you 
if you look at, I mean, there's only two teams that had a winning record away. That was Sacramento State who went four and two and Montana State who went four and three. So I think that kind of speaks volumes, you know, by itself. Yeah. I, and I mean, you nailed it, but in the fact that, yeah, you can go from playing in Portland, which is going to be probably temperate and rain. And then the yeah. next week you're in, you know, Bozeman. Yeah. Yeah. You're in Bozeman <laughs> and snowing. And then the next week you're in, uh, Cal Poly and it's 80 in sunshine and then next week you're in northern Arizona and the weather could be either really hot or really cold but either way you're at a really high elevation so yeah I, I do see that where like you're you're definitely experiencing the differences but I mean to be fair I don't know how much that I mean you'd have to ask players and coaches because I would say I mean you guys have all done it before you think you would know how to prepare one of Idaho's best road games in the big sky was at Montana state where it was like the first weekend of October and it snowed. So yeah, that's because They had a linebacker as a quarterback. True. But that same team, <laughs> made, that same team made the playoff, you know, so, like, yeah, I just so, want to do a little low dig yeah, uh, because so, I thought Montana state's offense was one of the worst the last couple of years. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, um, so I don't know, like it does, but you know, we were in the whack for a while. We were in the Big West. Right. So like you're you as a program, I mean the players aren't, but like there's been enough people that have been around long enough to know that like, yeah, you're gonna have to play like when we were in the whack, San Jose State, and it's gonna be really nice. And then the next weekend, you know, you could be at Utah State and it's gonna be cold and snowy and high elevation. Right. So I it probably does play a factor. I don't think People will ever like players will admit it ever does, but I mean the record shows for itself. I just think the one thing, maybe less so than away fans or, or like oh, traveling. I just think the Big Sky is a tough conference, um, and I think that's one thing that gets kind of overlooked. With like you can blame it on the travel, but I think a lot of times it's just you're playing really tough teams, and anytime you travel, it's hard. And I know like one thing yeah. I think that has really helped Idaho at home is it, it's been no secret that we've been a really strong strong we've been our you've been playing fairly been our, strong. yeah our, yeah but our, our strength has been our defense and right. when you're playing at home even if there's just a little bit of fans that helps you because it helps disrupt the other offense where you know that doesn't help our defense on the road because everybody else is quiet when their offense is on the field so for sure I think it's a mix of like why our home record is definitely way greater but like you said it, it's not us i mean there's just about every school has struggled with playing on the road. And I think it just goes to show that I don't think this conference gets enough credit for how deep it is. Uh, I think we probably should have had six teams make the playoffs last year. But, you know, I'm out on the selection committee, and the Missouri Valley and CAA would probably disagree with that because they also are looking out for their bidding interests. So The, the Big Sky is improving every year, which is exciting. So it's perfect time for Idaho to jump in our conference. Um, but, Rusty, do you want to move to the next section? Yeah, well, you talked about, you know, defense being the strength of Idaho. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts of, you know, what did they lose player-wise uh, this going into the next season? And who's kind of going to step up to fill those voids? Yeah, so we're pretty lucky on defense. Um, the only major losses we're going to have are in our secondary. We're losing Lloyd Hightower, who's been a four-year starter for us. Um, we also lost... The big thing from this class was this was the last class that was a part of that 2016 bowl game. Uh, right. So we kind of lose anybody with that winning mentality that was a part of a winning team that can help like 
coach that along. So I think that's going to be the biggest loss of losing guys like Cedric Thomas and Lloyd Hightower. But otherwise, part of our problem, and this is part of the reason Eastern saw this, was when our defense was at full strength, it was really good. But in the Eastern game, we started to lose a bunch of guys. And the week before that against Wyoming, we started to lose a bunch of guys. Then by the end of the year, we're I think we do a player spotlight on ours. I think our linebackers only had two guys that didn't see the time last year on the entire roster, including Redshirt's walk-ons. So, um, but that being said, we're stacked at linebacker. Like we have Trey Walker coming back, who led the like entire FCS in solo tackles, and yeah. we have um, Christian Ellis coming back. And um, on the defensive line, we're going to have Charles Ocano and Coyote Rufai and a bunch of other like. Our front seven is just absolutely loaded to the pack where you can't even pick who are going to be the basic starters, um, which is good because we've had some injuries the last two years. But our secondary is going to be a huge question mark because we only have, like, really one guy coming back that you're, like, probably pencil in the start. Every the two safeties in one corner is pretty much wide open of, like, who knows. Um, so that will be the interesting thing, which – as you guys can definitely attest to, Eastern fans are probably licking their chops at the sound of that because as long as you have a decent line that can prevent our front seven from pressuring your quarterback just enough, if you can shred our secondary, like, in the big sky, that's that's money. That's as good as gold. So there's a lot of teams that like to air it out, and it's why we do really well against teams like Weber and teams like Montana State that don't air it out. Um, and usually teams like – Montana and Eastern and Sac State shred us is because our secondary has been weak and it's probably going to take a step back next year, which is scary because it wasn't even good this year. Um, but yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, that's really it. It's like we're returning everybody on the front seven. Um, and a lot of them are going to be juniors. We'll be back for another year. But yeah, our secondary is going to be completely fresh. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the other side of the ball, too. I mean, you just lost an individual who provides over 1,100 yards of production with Jeff Cotton has seven touchdowns. I mean, how do you replace, or are you guys going to be able to replace something like that? Yeah, so Jeff Cotton's a big loss. Um, He really improved this year. But coming into this year, he and Cottrell Haywood were held as pretty much neck and neck for being our one and two. So the obvious replacement is Cottrell Haywood needs to step up and have a season like everybody thought he would. I mean, Jeff definitely got hot, but um, Cottrell Haywood has all the tools to be just as effective as Jeff. He's maybe not quite as fast, but he's definitely more aggressive like and physical. He's a little bit wider body and a little heavier, uh, which is probably why he's not as fast. Uh, otherwise, we've got a really young core guys coming in. Uh, but that, that's kind of the big question on the offensive side of the ball is, is wide receiver because Jeff Cotton was a huge loss. But, you know, that's what we said when we lost David Unger, who's now playing professionally in the CFL. We're like, who's going to replace him? And when before that, it was how are we going to replace Deion Watson and how are we going to – so, I mean, you guys get it at Eastern. You lose guys and somebody always seems to step up. Um, now, Jeff Cotton took a bigger step forward than most people thought, but I think Cottrell Haywood's post. And then we've signed a lot of guys. Uh, one guy who I – if I had a hunch – his name's Chauncey Smart. He's a transfer from the University of Miami. So he actually – we recruited him when we were in the Sun Belt. He's like a track star, but he ended up deciding he wanted to play football, not at Idaho, and committed to the UCF – or USF, sorry, South Florida, the Bulls. 
then decided he didn't want to play football in his red shirt or gray shirt year, transferred to Miami and has been running track at Miami for the past two years. Didn't get a bid to the Olympics, so decided to transfer to try to play football his last two years. So he's probably the fastest guy we've ever had. I mean, the dude was literally like competing in national championships at Miami and track. So he's a guy we're excited to see, but he's going to be more like a weapon. Um, they haven't said if he's going to play. He played cornerback originally, but Paul makes it sound like he's going to play a little bit of wide receiver, a little bit of running back, maybe a little bit of cornerback. We don't really know. Um, but, yeah, definitely wide receiver-wise, that's that's probably the two guys I expect to take the biggest, Chauncey Smart and Control Haywood. Um, and then at quarterback, it's kind of addition by subtraction in a sense that um, even if the team takes a step back, you don't have the negative energy that's been going around with having Mason be the quarterback where it just seemed like he was gifted the position. Um, we have a really good stud coming in named Caleb Jordan from Camas, Washington. However, he's coming off a knee injury. I'm going to guess they're going to redshirt him because we have Colton Richardson, who will be a redshirt junior. Uh, we have uh, Nikhil Nair. We also got a transfer in from UConn named Mike Beaudry, who actually won the D2 championship a couple of years ago. So uh, I think the quarterback competition this year isn't going to be – it'll be better. But pretty much everybody has eyes on 2021 when C.J. Jordan pretty much gets to take the helm. But – the way we see it is he's coming off a knee injury. You got a redshirt year. Don't really rush him back because you don't want this kid to get rattled early and then he's, you know, worthless. But we're really excited for him to get the reins. Even Paul Petrino seems to be excited, which is usually rare. But either way, we're, we're pretty queued up at quarterback this year to at least have somebody middle of the pack. Uh, if I had to bet, I'm going to say it's probably going to be Mike Beaudry, the transfer from UConn. But we'll see. See, yeah, I think that's pretty interesting because Caleb Jordan, man, CJ Jordan, he, he, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm excited to see him. This, uh, unfortunately, he, you know, suffered a knee injury, which obviously I think was a big get for Idaho to receive yeah. him. It's I mean, he, he had an offer. Yeah, right. He had an offer from Louisville. He had five G5 offers, 13 FCF offers. He was a number five quarterback overall on Hero Sports top FCS quarterback recruits. So I'm pretty interested to see, you know, uh, what he's going to be able to do on the field. I think I would have to agree with you. I think he's going to be redshirted this this coming season. But uh, 2021, I think he's going to be a big name to watch out for in the big sky football. But I think you're exactly right. And that's kind of the same prediction I had. I think that transfer from UConn might be uh, taking the reps next year behind under center. Yeah. And even if, if not, I mean, if Colton Richardson wins it, Colton Richardson is three, three and O as an Idaho starter. So he's, he's good. The problem is he just has had a problem staying healthy. So, even if he gets a starting job, we feel highly confident that he's going to be able to, speaking of, he's never lost as a Vandal quarterback. But uh, just knowing that we have somebody like Mike and Nikhil Nair and Nathan Cisco behind him um, will be really refreshing. Because last year it was like, okay, Mason gets hurt. Yay, we have Colton Richardson in. And then Colton gets hurt, and you're like, well, if he's getting put in, it's probably because Mason's hurt. And then, like, it was just kind of up in the air. Um but so I, I, I could see there is an opportunity that Colton Richardson still wins the job, but he hasn't shown that he can remain healthy. So that's why either way, I would assume even if Colton wins it, 
you're going to see most of the season is going to be Mike Beaudry because I Colton hasn't showed in four years that he can stay healthy. So why would that change? Did, did Colton – didn't he start versus Eastern in um, when you were in Cheney or was it Mason and Colton just came in for a yeah, couple it, quarters? It was Mason. They were still doing kind of the back and forth at that point. Okay. Um, but every game he, yeah. every game he started, like, been gotcha. said, okay. this is your game, yep. he's won. So – yeah, no problem. I just remember seeing him on the side because I was watching the game on the sidelines of the field because mm-hmm. um, Kelsey Hatch and Lawrence, you know, she she and her family hooked up Lawrence for um, sideline tickets and he gave me that for like ha- half of the game. And I was like, yeah. man, Col- Colton's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. He didn't do too hot, but man, he was a big boy. <laughs> I think he's listed at 6'5", 280, but he's probably closer to like 6'4", 300. <laughs> yeah, we, we finally got, you know, an a pro size quarterback, um, which I don't know if we'll ever see him, uh, but he was the guy who committed to Yale and then decommitted. Um, but he's, I think he's like six, three, two forty five or two thirty five, something like that. He's a, he's a big boy for an Eastern Washington player. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he can end up winning the QB battle. Um, I think it's going to go to Trey Turner for the next couple of years after Eric Berrier's uh, last yeah, year, I, year this year. Say, what, what QB battle is Eric Berrier? We'll take him if you guys don't want. No, no, it's after <laughs> this year. I think we'll see, um, You're talking yeah, 2021. Who's going to be facing yeah. Cameron Jordan? Where I think it'll be Trey Turner, who is an Eric Berrier protege in a sense. Um, really good dual threat, um, and he was he was really impressing in spring ball this last year. Um, yeah, he hope, he could sling it. I don't remember if we redshirted him or not, but I hope we did because he could be a four-year potential starter if we redshirted him. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did redshirt him, man. He, oh, cool. I remember watching him in spring ball, and he like that was my big question, man, because he he could absolutely sling it. I'm looking forward to watching him uh, play. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we could end up seeing him as a starter when his you know true sophomore year, or I guess redshirt sophomore year, through a senior and. Man, that'd be great for Eastern Washington to have. But all right, so Chris, what what is the Idaho Vandals outlook? Because you guys, you know, I like a lot of Idaho's players. It didn't get you know the national um, recruiting resume from Hero Sports as we all thought it was two four seven. You guys had a pretty good one. Um, but what is the outlook for for Idaho football next year in twenty twenty? Um, I mean, I think you nailed it. The- they both do really good things. I think somewhere in the middle is how you view the like Hero Sports' system has flaws. Two four seven system has flaws. Idaho probably had a very, I would say slightly above average. Um, I really liked our class. I think the one thing that's good is Idaho the last couple of years has had a very widespread net in recruiting. I think last year we had like eighteen different states that we signed recruits from, which was like eight higher than the next closest FCS. Thing. We're still trying to recruit like an FBS program. Uh, this year, we got a lot more Washington, Idaho, Oregon, um, California guys. So Utah. So I, I really like it. Uh, I think we're still a year away. Like I said, I really think things are going to pick up when Caleb Jordan takes over. I think we got a, all you young guys in last year. Um, and then, like I said, most of our really good players are still juniors or sophomores. So we're still going to have that 2021 year where a lot of those guys will be now juniors or seniors. So when Caleb starts in, he'll have a really strong senior-ridden team. Then it's just going to be how have these last two classes fill in after that because you're going to be losing like Trey Walker and all those guys. But this year, 
I think we'll take see improvements. One, the quarterback position should be better. Um, like I said, we don't really lose anybody on defense other than our secondary, which wasn't already a strength. So it's really like how much could you lose? You put a bunch of people in there and they can't be much worse. If not, they'll be better. Um, offensive line, we actually lose quite a bit of starts compared to what we have had. But luckily, we had a lot of injuries there last year, so we got a lot of young guys with playing time. But 2020 expects – I don't maybe you can never tell with the big sky schedule because every year you see a team like Sac State and you're like, ah, good, we got Sac State at home. That's a win. And then it's like by the time they come at the end of November or end of October, you're like, oh shit, Sac State's like a top five team and we suck. So you don't want to look at the schedule too much. I think it's more about players and people that have had reps and game time. Uh, 2020, I could see us probably finishing around six and five, five and six. Maybe get a seventh win. I don't think we're really going to be pushing playoffs, even as like a whisper dark horse candidate. But um, I think 2021 is our year when we get Caleb in. And even if not, we'll still have Colton Richardson for one more year. So you'll have a guy with some game experience again. And that's when we have a lot of these sophomores and juniors that will be queued up. So next year it's mostly just seeing how this team can come together. But 2021 is probably our year to finally make a push and then hopefully – Stay there because I do think we've laid a really good base with these last two recruiting classes. Be able to repeat for sure. So, 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 yeah, for sure. We'll definitely have you on in 2020. You know, at the end of the season to talk about 2021 because I think you're right. I think Idaho, you guys have all the tools in place to really be a a national contender at the FCS level. You have the facilities, you have you know the fan base, you have the pedigree. You could be a power, and there's no reason why at least you can't be one of the top-tier teams in the big sky. But let's – let's. I know you said you don't want to look at the schedule, but too bad. You're on our podcast. Let's look at the 20th <laughs> schedule. <laughs> All uh, right. That was quick. So, so you only have <laughs> – right? So you only have 10 Division One games because you play, you know, I don't even Western, know. I think Western Oregon. Are they D2 or are they NAIA? I don't know. Um, but doesn't but matter. Yeah. <laughs> Right. After that, you play at Temple. So you play an FBS Temple team. Then you play um, one of Idaho's, you know, I don't know if WSU nowadays views you guys as a rival, but since you're so close, it's still kind of a big rivalry game. Um, and one of the coolest things about WSU, and you told me this last year, the use, the loser back in the day, whoever lost that game would have to make that eight-mile walk back home. Yeah. Are you guys going to be walking home? Uh, no. Luckily now the club uh, busts. So the corner club is great, and they do something called the fun bus every game. All you have to do is buy something from the corner club, so beer, yeah. peanuts, and they'll well, take, you give go. you a bus ride to the game. Obviously, Washington State's the only away game they do this to. So you buy your tub, you step on the bus, and they drive you, drop you right off the stadium. So we'll have That's to walk awesome. back. I'll, I will be comforted on a nice, warm club bus on my way back to the corner club. But, oh, yeah, back, awesome. back in the day when things were a little closer, when we were both in what – eventually became the Pac-12 um, with yeah. Montana. Yeah, the, the loser walked the uh, eight miles back, <laughs> and that was back where about went every two years one of us would win two games, and then the other team would win two. And then the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s happened, and we just fell behind, and Washington State jumped up. But, yeah, it's it's uh, more of a basketball rivalry. It's actually, the I think, like the longest-running basketball, continuous basketball okay. rivalry. But um, – no, I mean, they still – there's always some animosity when you have places that are eight miles apart because, like, we have better 
food and bars, but they have more things to kind of do. Like they have the movie theater, the bowling alley, the casino. So like you kind of run into each other and you kind of give each other stink eye. Like, Hey, you shouldn't be over here on our campus. And then they do the same when you're over there. So it's, it's fun. But yeah, after the first quarter, it's pretty much just like get drunk with a bunch of kooks. Okay. So, so you guys are most likely going zero and two versus D one teams to start the year is what I'm, you know, guessing because it's, it's FBS. We'll see. I think you have a shot at Temple, but it is a long yeah. trip. We'll see. And then, yeah, then you guys go. <laughs> so then you guys go to UC Davis, which it's on the road, and Idaho has not had the best, you know, away schedule as we talked about earlier. Uh, so then, you know, potentially Owen three. Dan Hawkins is a mastermind, but they do lose a lot of talent. So we'll see who who UC Davis has. We've and never beat have- Dan Hawkins, so that won't change. <laughs> So, oh, so you guys could be 0-3 to start the year versus D1, and then you get Portland State at home, which it's homecoming. You guys will win that game. I'm putting my money on it. Oh, yeah. We actually, if far, in, in the FBS, we actually had the longest-running homecoming win streak at one point. We had won, like, 12 that, huh? years. Like, in all those one-year game, like, one-year win years, we always won homecoming because usually it's against, like, New Mexico State or Utah State when they were trash, but – yeah, at one point we won like twelve homecomings in a row. We usually win our homecoming game. So I, if I was betting a hundred percent on any of these games, Portland State, especially after how last year went, I put I bet the house on it. So you're you're one in three right now versus Division ones, based off yep. of your own assumptions, and then you go to Eastern Washington. One who, four. Even when they aren't that great, they do not lose at home. Uh, they have one of the best home field records throughout all of last year, even, or I mean, not all of last year, they were 100% last year, but throughout all of the last decade, I think their home field advantage is like an 83% or something. Maybe it's even higher. It, it's ridiculous. Um, and most of those losses were in the playoffs versus top-tier teams in the semifinals. So what is your thoughts on that game? Uh, I think it's going to be a lot like how we treated it last year. Uh, but for you guys, I think you guys are going to be quite pissed, especially when <laughs> – that was probably the reason you're out of the playoffs. Um, and then hearing some of the stuff that some former players said, um, you know, I, I expect Eastern to really take a lot out on us in this one. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think we – I mean, it's a rivalry game or becoming a rivalry game, and, you you know, it's kind of throw out the records as we saw last year. Um, but I just – that's one I'm, like, least confident about. I actually like our odds against Montana the next week more than I do Eastern at Eastern for obvious reasons. But, okay. Um, so yeah. So you're one in four, then you beat Montana, right? We are no, all I, on the Eagles Power Hour. We are rooting for you guys to beat Montana. We're rooting. <laughs> and you know what? If uh, they can't get if that Bronco transfer starts, I think we proved we can beat Montana. I think well, I don't think what Grizz fans are quite ready for life after Sneed. Um but who knows? They could get somebody in there. I know they got, I think, a transfer. But I do think Montana takes a step back this year because Dalton was – I mean, he was probably a top 10 FCS quarterback, and you're not probably going to get that this year. Um, so expect them to be more like their 2018 form than their 2019 form. Um, it's at home. Like I said, you never know. Eastern thought they'd beat us at home last year, so we'll see. But I do think if I was leaning, that one's probably still 70-30 Montana. Okay. So, I mean, you have a weird schedule to where after Eastern Washington, you have three home games in a row and two of them are what I would consider against crap teams. But if you lose the games we said before Montana to get into the playoffs, you really have to win out and you still have Montana on the schedule. You have Montana state, and then you have a 
little rivalry with Pocatello, um, Idaho State, where I think they view you guys as a rivalry more than you view them. But I think every year in the big sky, it will change. I do think, you know, Idaho will have a legit four rivals in the big sky, which I think is exciting. Um, Montana versus Idaho, I think that's a big rivalry. Eastern versus Idaho will continue to grow. That will be a big rivalry. You'll have your in-state one versus Idaho State. And I even think Montana State is will somewhat be a rival. I know they're not really a rival to Eastern, but they're always one of our most turned-out games. We get excited when we play Montana State. I know Montana State yeah. gets excited when they play us. I think it's more of a geographical. Um, yeah. All of us have – we know each other. We like to and play each other, and I wish and we played each other every year. Yeah, and they're a like institution for us. You know, they're big land-grant uh, – engineering school which idaho is so like for us we view them as a peer we're like for instance southern utah northern arizona we don't so right so but, so what do you really, think idaho's record is next year overall uh i know you said six and five or five and six but after going through this schedule yeah i what mean do you think I it, think win at western win at portland state so you're at two i think we beat northern arizona three beat southern utah four and beat idaho state five so five and seven Five and six. Sorry, I got to get used to this. I got to get used to the 11, 11 games. Like, you guys yeah. hit me with 11 games, and then the second year we're here, you give us 12. It's like – Hey, leap year, buddy. But what's crazy <laughs> that a lot of – so when you look at our schedule, right, September 19th we play at Washington State. That's nine miles. Pretty much call that one like you're staying in state. Then you go to UC Davis, but then you're home against Portland State. Then you're at Cheney, 77 miles. Then you're home against Montana, home against Northern Arizona, home against Southern Utah, travel to Montana State, and then you're at, you know, Idaho State. So you stay in state. We have a basically a home schedule from September 19th to the end of the season, traveling twice to UC Davis and Montana State. Like, you yeah, do. you're going yeah. to play, play yeah. in hostile places like Eastern and Idaho State, but and Wazoo, but like Wazoo will feel like a home game. Eastern, I know they don't go to Spokane or Cheney before they literally drive there the day of the game. So that's going to, for the, as far as the players go, that's going to feel like a home game. And then Pocatello we fly into. So it's going to feel really quick. It's about an hour flight. So yeah, we could see some weird shit. Sorry, weird stuff. I don't know how you guys edit this. Oh no, you, you can <laughs> say whatever you want. We are a family friendly podcast, but those family members were PG 13. So you might see some weird Montana stuff happening at the end of the season. It's <laughs> uh, worse. That's worse than what you said before. <laughs> you said I could say whatever. Hey, Chris is Chris is no longer allowed on our podcast ever again. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I think that's a reasonable thing. That's kind of what I'm anticipating for Idaho. But what can Idaho do to become a power? in the big sky and FCS. And I know we're running a little past an hour, so we won't take too much longer, but cause you guys, in my opinion, have all the tools in place to become a power. Why aren't you a power? And what can you guys do to become a power? And do you think uh, you will ever become a power? Yeah. I mean, I think we will just because like you said, yeah. we have, all the, we have all the building blocks in place. Um, it just comes down to, unfortunately, some apathy, like, we have some players that, I mean, rightfully so, put yourself in their shoes. They committed to a school long before there was this talk that we were going to go to FCS, right? Uh, they committed to us when we were in the Sun Belt or as an independent. And you get told, like, you're going to play FBS football. And as you guys know, you especially it's getting better now, but you used to lose recruits to schools like Idaho 
For instance, Ty Graham is a great example. Probably made more sense for him to go to Eastern, but he went to Idaho because he wanted to play FBS football. So then you drop yeah, down. Yeah, I want to get out of Cheney. You know, I don't blame True. hometown kid yeah. for leaving. I actually kind of I, I push like. Well, I remember one Montana guy. He was like, "Hey, we stole some guy from Teen- Cheney." I was like, "Man, if I lived in Cheney, I would want to get out." And it's yeah. not because I hate Cheney. It's because as a kid, you want to experience something new. I moved away from yeah. the big city to go to Cheney because I wanted to get out. I, exactly. So I don't blame local kids from leaving yeah. um, in a sense. So I don't know if I consider that one a steal because we no, also but, got him right back. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, 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 but you got him back when we dropped to FCS. And I think that's my point is we had a lot yeah. of players that just, you know, no matter how much, maybe they didn't say it publicly, uh, but it didn't right. bother them. And they didn't put in the effort and they kind of tuned out. And some of them transferred like Tony Lashley. And, I think it's, yeah, I think that's fair. So I think that was part of it, why we really struggled to do Because like I said, coming into it after 2017, we were – if our starting quarterback was healthy, I think we really had a shot at the big sky if we would have had a quarterback in place like a Matt Linehan to take over. Unfortunately, we lost some players. The apathy happened, and Matt Linehan graduated, and we had Mason Petrino. But I do think we've had the talent the last two years, and I don't think we've seen a huge drop-off in our recruiting – if anything, it's almost gotten better. So I I think it's just a matter of putting the pieces together. And I think you'll see that this year, especially with having a quarterback in place, that okay. even though we might not have more wins, Idaho's going to look more competitive in games. And like I said, I think 2021, you get four years of C.J. Jordan slinging the rock. You get maybe two, hopefully three playoff appearances out of that. I mean, hopefully just one, but – if we're being honest, I think we might be able to squeeze two with him. You know, that, that builds that culture. I mean, it was only a while ago where – I mean, James Madison's never been Idaho bad because they don't have losing seasons. But James Madison wasn't a national power until, what, 2015 when they – then they just I won mean, a couple. They won a title before that. So, I mean – True. But, I mean, I, okay. And, but, all right, bad example. But, you know, like everybody <laughs> – South Dakota it, State, there you go. Yeah, like it's not hard to kind of come out of the woodwork if you have the pieces. I mean, you look at even like what Eastern's done. Eastern, Eastern's a good example. You guys have built it on a winning culture. I mean, I think you two will be the first to say that the facilities there aren't the greatest. They definitely need the love that the boosters are trying to put into them. You're winning because you've created a culture of winning. And I think if you have that paired with, the building, it's, I think it's why people are so fearful of Montana right now because how brings back that winning culture and they have the facilities. And I think that's where people go like, oh, crap, like could he maybe – because I think most people admit that Montana's probably not going anywhere as long as Houck's there. So Right. They're a sleeping think, giant. Yeah, and, and they've kind of been awoken, and we'll see. I think they're going to take a step back, and it's going to be how their fan base reacts to that. But I think they need to realize that they're in a better place now than they ever were with Stitt. Like, how it might take a bad year this year, but that's because he's replacing a, one of the program's top 10 quarterbacks. I don't know. I don't know enough about Montana to say that, but Snead was pretty freaking fun to watch as a non-Montana fan. So, yeah, I think it just comes down to we, we have the facilities. We're putting in new facilities all the time. We have a really strong booster base. It's just going to come down to winning. And like I said, I think a lot of it's just been quarterback the last two years. I think once we have a quarterback in um, – you'll notice a difference. And that's that's what it's going to take is winning. Do I think we're going to national power while C.J. Jordan's there? No. 
I think he kind of builds the building blocks. I could see maybe in the next 10 years where we kind of build ourselves into maybe like a South Dakota state or an Eastern or even what Montana state's becoming like where yeah. they've slowly made the grind to where they're like, Oh, they're probably this year going to be considered a top 10 team going into the season possibly. Um, which what yeah. 2017, they weren't even getting votes. So yeah, um, I, I, I mean, Chris, I think you hit the nail on the head on a couple points there. One with Montana State, I think it's going to be really interesting once they get the quarterback, which I think they're going to be getting from uh, North Carolina State, Matt McKay, who's a transfer. I mean, mm-hmm. Montana State obviously has a solid defense. They're just kind of missing that offensive key, you know, portion. And I think they're going to get that with Matt McKay. That's my way too early prediction. And uh, also, I, I'm thinking 2021 is really when Idaho is going to make the big turn, and I think they're going to make the playoffs in 2021. Another way too early prediction with uh, Caleb Jordan. The dude is—I mean, I've I've watched the film on him, and the guy is an absolute stud. And I think that's the, that's that's going to be huge for Idaho uh, once he's able to get on the field. And to me, it's all about developing the players. You can have the facilities, but you have to be able to develop the players. And I think that's something that North Dakota State, Montana does, Eastern Washington does, uh, you know, very well. I mean, looking at Montana's recruiting, I mean, like you've said on one of your previous podcasts, they they get these gems, but they fit yeah. their system just right because Montana does a good job of finding the individuals are going to plug into their system and they're going to develop them into a solid football players. And I think that's what Idaho needs to do. But I, I think they got a great start with Caleb Jordan. And I'm telling you right now for all our listeners out there and Idaho is going to be a, a threat in the future. Zero doubt about my mind. I hope so. We could all be wrong, right, Paul? We could grind this right into the ground and go D2 and be competing with Western Oregon for the Great Northwest Conference or whatever it is. <laughs> but no, I I'll think be you guys honest. are right. Yeah. I'll be honest, though. It's like Paul Petrino is just a rusty hot take real quick. I just like just looking at him is just somebody I don't think I would enjoy having a conversation with. He just seems <laughs> he just rubs me wrong. No, it was it was funny at media days because he was definitely the person I was most like, oh god, like him and how because you just hear stories. I mean, I've met Paul before in a very like in a passing like suited meeting thing where I like got to shake his hand and say you know good game whatever. But this is my first like sit down opportunity with him, and I was like, I'm freaking terrified, like. We haven't exactly been the nicest to him on the podcast. Not that I thought he had listened to it, but maybe somebody was like, oh, there's this fan ran podcast that just talks crap about you all the time. But actually, when we got to sit down and talk to him, I really enjoyed the conversation with him. Um, I think it just is all about uh, – I think Brian and I have discussed this, so I could be wrong, but because he kind of felt like Paul didn't offer anything up too much. And I was like, I kind of enjoyed it because he likes – he just wants to talk like football, X's and O's which is like something I could really relate to. So I was definitely terrified to speak to him, but after sitting down with him, he was like the coach that even when we weren't talking about Idaho, just scheme and recruiting and everything. Like I actually enjoyed my conversation with him and probably Bobby how the most, I didn't get to talk the best because turns out when you come off a national championship appearance, like all the actual media wants to talk to you. So I didn't get a chance to meet Aaron, but <laughs> But yeah, Paul, Paul's not as bad to talk to as you think he would be. Well, I, I think all of us are going to do our best to attend media days this year. So that'll be exciting um, to, you know, 
you do use the Big Sky Podcast Network to get in there with our credentials. Yeah. But hey, man, we are on an hour and fifteen minutes. This is one of our longest ones, so we're gonna go ahead and close out. We appreciate you coming on here, kind of last minute. Um, but tell our fans where they can find your podcast. What is your podcast? and where they can find you on social media. So when Eastern whoops Idaho next year, <laughs> they can give you as much crap as you did for me when you used my my voiceover as the intro to your podcast. <laughs> yeah, so if you're interested in, well, first off, for that, I was driving to the game. I purposely stayed silent the whole week. I didn't want to start anything with Eastern fans on this fans nation or you. I was quiet the whole week, and my former co-host on the podcast and the guy driving the games with, he starts like snickering because we're listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. And then at the very end, you took that hot take and like, I can't wait to beat Idaho and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I stayed super out of everybody's way. I was silent on social media all week. And then so like, I am for those of you that are interested in the Tubs of the Club, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places you find your podcast is the original official unofficial official unofficial podcast for the big sky sports but uh yeah we always do like a quick like 30 second like usually t- kind of hot takes within it to kind of give you a preview of what's to come that week we strictly took kyler's take right off the fcn fans nation podcast and played it at our beginning but it was good um the, you can also the lost one. is is starting tomorrow um <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, Tubs at the Club. That's T U B S, and then at the Club C L U B. You can find me at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. Um, yeah, and I'm always glad to come on, especially support for other Big Sky Podcast Network. Um, you know, podcasts and fans and, and uh, co-hosts. And it's always great to talk to you, Kyler. And we actually just had Rusty on. God, it probably was only about a month. Now it was a little over a month ago, I think. But yeah, so it's yeah. good to talk to you guys. So we've got good people in the Big Sky Podcast Network. So we do. Uh, try to, if you, if you haven't listened to anybody else's, all you Eagle Power Hour fans out there, obviously start with Tubs of the Club, but then there's a lot of other good ones. So give them some listens, especially while you're quarantined like me. <laughs> oh, there, there's plenty of time right now to be listening to podcasts and, you know, like Chris, I mean, thanks for coming on, man. And hopefully everybody enjoyed this. We're going to be doing, uh, you know, podcasts that are focused on individual teams uh, in the big sky as we come, you know, getting ready for the upcoming season. Cause I like to enjoy to other podcasts to kind of know what Idaho's doing, know what Montana's doing, Montana State. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. You could reach me on Twitter at mid fourth rounder. Uh, I've already explained how to spell it out, so you guys should have it dialed down. And uh, uh, thanks for tuning in, Kyler. Yeah, you guys can reach me at kneel underscore eighty eight. Um, Chris, again, it was great to have you on the show, and thanks for pressuring me to start this podcast because I would have never known Rusty without it. We do appreciate. Everything that tells us the club has done to really help the big sky in general start up this media podcast platform, whatever you want to call it, because it was you guys and really the Montana men. And I think maybe even R and R started um, a couple years ago and, and that's all. So, Hey, we, we love what you're doing there in Idaho. Um, we hope and I'll continue to smack talk Idaho to help build this <laughs> you know rivalry, even though, man, I haven't met an Idaho fan. I dislike yet. I hope it changes. I'm tired of like, 
liking all of you. I want to hate one of you. So I have, I have. <laughs> we can we can bring a couple this year. You'll be regret it after I bring them. You'll be like, what? I want to talk my shit. <laughs> well, oh, hey guys, man, thanks for listening. Um, yeah, we're gonna have some fun guests on after this. Um, too is not you know Chris wasn't a fun guest, but we're gonna have some Eastern Washington athletic alumni in the next couple of episodes. So stay tuned. Goodbye. Boom. Go, go eggs.